0: Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour.
1: Happy New Year's, everyone, and welcome back to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm your host Saffic Alwalia. I'm joined by Progress Texas Communications Director Wesley Story, Advocacy Director Diana Gomez, and President Ed Espinosa. And behind the scenes, as always, is our producer Chris. Uh, so this year, we're starting on with a big subject, and I'm sure you can guess what it is—the anniversary of January 6th, the big insurrection. Um, but before we get into it, we try to make this a happy hour that's not always possible because we are in Texas and we are progressive. Uh, what is everyone drinking today? I got a nice blue moon because hopefully yeah. the instructions is only once in a blue moon or probably never again. Hopefully.
2: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love the optimism. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's nice.
1: Dana, what do you got?
0: Um, to commemorate a chaotic day, I have a chaotic drink. It is. Coffee, hot chocolate, and vodka.
3: Coffee, hot <laughs> oh my chocolate, God. and vodka? Didn't see that yeah. last one coming.
0: It's actually a Tito's recipe.
2: It's a Tito's recipe, yeah.
1: Oh, Tito's truly it's great. This is wonderful. Yeah, Blue yeah. Moon. Uh, Wesley, what do you got?
2: I am drinking a glass of wine because it is the only alcohol that I have in my apartment apartment <laughs> right now. But I kinda wish I was drinking vodka like Diana, because I fill out the day warrants it. So <laughs> <laughs>
3: And Adam, what do you got? Well, uh, this is an opposite of what we were at the end of uh, when we finished our show at the end of last year, where I was the only one drinking. Today, I'm the only one not drinking alcohol because I'm I'm doing a dry January. So I've got a a can of hop water from a local brewery here in Austin, St. Elmo. Free plug. They should sponsor us. I got it at uh, Tom's Market. Also, free plug. Should sponsor us. And then uh, here's your weekly ASMR.
1: Ooh, how relaxing. (laughs) So obviously today's topic is a little bit heavy, but we thought we'd start out, you know, with punches flying at someone who we can all admit, all, you know, except we hate, Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, And if you all follow The Daily Show, they had a really interesting uh, nouveau nouveau confederate statues that they put up uh, somewhere. And I'm going to drop the link in Instagram so you can take a look. But basically they commemorated all the Uh, Traitorous losers who perpetrated the January 6th insurrection with, of course, Ted Cruz. And they had a great nickname. Ed, what was the
3: nickname? So they put put up these statues on a street somewhere and these plaques with like these sarcastic, obviously ironic statements. And they called Lion Ted Cruz. They spelled it L-I-O-N, Lion Ted Cruz, who was rising to the occasion, which... Of course, we know the occasion that he was rising to was uh, politics, not democracy. Um, As we know that Lyin, L-Y-I-N, Ted Cruz, was actually defending a guy trying to overturn an election for a guy who hates Ted Cruz. So you're talking about someone who has no dignity and uh, no respect for the Constitution, just pushing this. For someone that doesn't even like him, much like the rest of us, might be the only thing we have in common with with Donald Trump,
0: definitely. you know that saying the enemy of the, my enemy is my friend. Ted just took out the middle man and was like, "My enemy is my friend <laughs> <laughs>
1: also, I mean you you gotta like this guy's defending a terrorist attack, but he won't even defend his wife or his oh. dog oh. Oh. Ah. right like he left his dog and went to Cancun. <laughs> Of course, no, and then he left his wife when Donald Trump called her all sorts
3: of names, like, okay, priorities. And he attacked his dad too. The, the dog one was, was especially hurtful when he left for Cancun and he left the dog home alone. Um, but another piece of news today that I think is important is Ted Cruz is now talking about the insurrection as if it was a bad thing, which we know it was, but he was a part of it. He was on the floor trying to push the overturning the election and then when the insurrection happened, and obviously they ceased business, miraculously, Congress was able to reconvene back in the Capitol that night and continue business. And he once again got up and tried to thwart the election after this terrible thing happened. Yet today he's out there saying that, oh, it was such a terrible thing and we can't stand for this. And then of all people, Tucker Carlson goes to Twi- takes to Twitter to attack Ted Cruz. So Ted Cruz basically has no friends right now, right? He has, he has no friends on the left or in the middle here in Texas. And even the Republicans hate him for what he's saying a year later. The guy can't win and it's, it's not surprising, but he just, he just can't win. I, I just wanna
1: underscore one thing about Tucker Carlson, who I think is a swamp monster. <laughs> he's trying to rebrand himself as like a populist, but people shouldn't forget. A, his name is Tucker Carlson. There's no populist or you know, whose name is Tucker Carlson. Also, he's the heir to a massive, massive frozen food industry. So it's like, he's not one of us. He's a trust fund kid. He's no good. He's a bad guy.
3: He's also the guy, if you remember, who started his media career by always wearing a bow tie. That was like his signature thing, his trademark, until Jon Stewart called him out on an episode of Crossfire. And he was like, are you the only grown adult Man that wears a bow tie, like that's like a kid's thing. <laughs> so anyway,
0: Every time I all see all... a frat guy with a bow tie, I feel triggered. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: it's tough. One thing I was gonna say, Ed, is that I think it's it's hard to overstate the role that Ted Cruz had in all of this, and yeah. you touched on it a bit there. Um, but he basically became the face of the movement to overturn the results, and he was the one who led the Sedition Caucus in the Senate to vote against certifying Biden's electors. I don't mm-hmm. know if y'all remember, but I think it's important to remember that on the day of January 6th, there were insurrectionists inside of the Senate chamber mm. who were filmed and they said, Cruz would want us to do this. So uh, Cruz truly. had an outsized, well, out of all of the congressmen, out of all the senators <coughs> and house members who were in, involved or made supported Trump or spread misinformation, Cruz was one of the main um, people to blame for all of this. And so it, it's even more in, like crazy to think that now he's trying to switch sides or now he's trying to make statements about how bad it was, when in reality, he was it was a consequence of his direct actions.
3: Yeah, he was right there in the middle of it, making all of it happen.
1: I mean, what is the quote that they have on his plaque? It says, we will not go quietly into the night. We will defend liberty like how do you defend liberty when you think someone's a tyrant you insurrect them so it's like he's
3: also to clarify that's the daily show sarcastic yes. black that you're talking about yes <laughs> yes yes
1: yes um <clears throat> wesley you know as you're as you're talking about like what happened that day earlier this morning uh i went onto our slack channel and i and i scrolled all the way back to january 6 2021 just to see what we were talking about, and if you guys don't mind, I want to read a couple of things that we dropped in there, because it really gave me chills reading what it looked like in real time, um, and for context, the Monday before January 6th, which was, I think, the first day of the year, Ed had said, guys, New Year, we're going to go slow, we're going to go easy, don't work too hard, and then, of course, he jinxed us, and we had January 6th, like, two days later. Um, so. We started, you know, Ed was paying attention to it starting at eleven forty-four in the morning and it's like I'm it's crazy. I'm live tweeting it. Um it's Sarah responded, it's nuts. I have it on in the background. The Secret Service evacuated the Senate at one eighteen PM. Sarah let us know at one nineteen. They've locked down the Capitol complex. Now both chambers are adjourned. And then from then on, you know, the Senate is officially being evacuated. Oh my God. I see Texas flags. They're shooting into wow. the chamber. Yeah shooting, they're on the dais. There's a Confederate flag in the Capitol. And we have all these images. And it's honestly, for, for me, I remember after 9-11, I came home and my mom was crying and watching the news. And we just watched the the planes hit the towers over and over again. And as I sat watching the news on January 6, I felt very similar, that like something so sacred was being violated. Uh, I don't know, how, how do you guys feel hearing hearing what we experienced in real
0: time i think like what you were uh, saying Safik, uh earlier is uh you know you're remembering where you were what was happening and that a lot of folks also remember exactly where they were at that time and i just remember you know it's a work day i was actually at the end of a meeting that we all all of our organizations were like we have to hop off we think because the country might be there might be a coup we don't know <laughs> like, what's, what's going on we're just trying to figure out what's going down and i'm like i think i'm working today but i can't take my eyes off of this also like what's what what's happening it was is it was just so hard to know what what this meant
3: i remember um wondering if this was going to extend beyond the capitol right because like what we saw at the capitol on january 6th was something that i was worried would happen on election night or immediately after the election. And I think the fact that the election did not get called on election night was helpful in in stifling some of those emotions on on one night. And the fact that it it dragged out for a week and by the time it was called, it was fairly anticlimactic, at least compared to a normal election night. But I was still concerned that that might happen. And I remember talking to our friends at the Democratic Party and the House Democratic Campaign Committee and saying that, you know they were wondering some of the other groups out there were wondering what sort of an election night gathering they should do because you still had a pandemic and they were like okay can we do something outdoors small uh, in a park maybe and my suggestion prior to the election was don't do it in a place where someone will see you and can walk up and do something crazy because it might happen now fortunately it didn't on election night or right after the election but on january 6th when i saw that happen at the capitol I was genuinely worried that it would spill over into the states. Fortunately, it hasn't happened. Not yet, anyway.
1: But I remember on January 6th, you asked me to take our about page down because we are mm-hmm. you know, one of the largest progressive advocacy organizations in the state. And we're very prominently up there. And you're like, let's keep it safe. Let's keep it sane. Let's take the page down.
2: That's one of the things that comes to mind and I think is especially present for me when I think back on it is just the fear of safety for ourselves and then also just the people that we care about, the people that we work with because we work in a space with tons of progressives and so within our community with our partner organizations and funders and those who are involved in the work that we do, I just remember feeling concerned about what was going to happen if one either the insurrection were successful or two if there were those kinds of insurrections happening in states across the country as well um not just in washington dc and so i remember that being a huge part of like conversations that we had for days and even weeks after where we talked about our safety whether we were going to protests at the capitol or things like that it was something that was top of mind i think especially for diana and i as we were going to the capitol over the coming months.
0: Definitely. And, you know, talking about being worried for loved ones, too, I used to work as a congressional staffer um, in, in, in Austin. But, you know, we'd often talk to the D.C. offices. So I had coworkers and friends that were still there. And I remember texting them, asking them if they were OK. And obviously a lot's going on, so I didn't hear any responses, but would hear the, the next day that they were fine. But just knowing that they went through so much fear on that day, and then also knowing that there have been bomb threats since at the Capitol and that people that work there, you know, still live in that fear of it possibly happening again or someone else trying to do something, you know, wild.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we were just talking about Ted Cruz. One thing I remember is on January 6th, he sent out a fundraising email uh, in which oh, he said, if yeah. Congress fails to conduct this emergency, sure. I will reject the electors from the disputed states on January 6th. This guy is a piece of trash. Yep.
2: <laughs> That was literally as they were storming the Capitol, like as they were pushing their way into the doors, that fundraising email went out. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. That
0: was wild.
1: Um, but, you know, as, as we're talking about it, it's important to think about, like, how is our nation talking about this? Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I know, like, when I when I see how Republicans talk about it, it's, it's almost like a different world. Um, but I think one of our jobs here at Progress Texas is to, you know, fight back on misinformation and, you know, how do we talk about what happened then? How do we talk about what's happening right now and where we go from here?
2: Yeah, I agree. So I think, you know, in the days following the attack, hours, days, I think a lot of the Republicans, even the nation, almost seemed to be not exactly, but we had a similar kind of feeling about we should criticize this, we should condemn this, Republicans, senators, I think back to Mitch McConnell's speech on the Senate floor where he literally he called out Trump and he called the holding un-American but then we saw in the months following it and then now a year later that there's been an effort to really downplay what happened. I think with a lot of Republicans midterms are coming up so they're needing to try to appeal to their extremist base. Oh yeah. And so I think, like you're saying, it's important to remember that day and while it may be sad or whatever, it's important to remember what we were feeling, but then also to think about the messaging that we're seeing so that we can combat this kind of diminishing of the memory and diminishing, diminishing what happened. And so we actually wrote a piece last year that talked about messaging that we should use to talk about the insurrection. And some of the highlights from that piece, I think one of the big ones that comes to mind is that we should not call these people protesters. They weren't protesters. They were white supremacists. They were domestic terrorists. They were insurrectionists. There are so many other words to use. Protester shows them too much respect. That's not what they were there to do. They were there to try to overturn the results of an election and try to overthrow the government. Um, and they committed violence against our government. And so we should definitely we should call it like it is, call them domestic terrorists.
1: Yeah, and I just, for anyone who's interested, I just got that in the chat and it'll be in the show notes for the podcast.
0: Yeah, and definitely. And, and I know one other thing, uh, Wesley, with what you're mentioning is that uh, a lot of the the ways that the Republicans were trying to message it is saying is saying that it, they were just protesters and trying to equate it to the BLM movement. Uh, but those, that, those are two completely different things and it's very important to know to know that fact, and especially knowing how, uh, you know, police reacted to a lot of the BLM protesters for, you know, just breaking a target window. Whereas we remember those visual images of the, you know, domestic terrorists, those uh, insurrectionists climbing the walls of the Capitol. That was wild. Um, And, you know, there wasn't backup. There wasn't a huge squad of police, you know, stopping them. So those were two very different Reactions.
3: Climbing the walls of the Capitol while waving big Trump flags, and then all of the Republican lies that followed that saying, oh, they were just tourists, and how do you know they were conservatives? (laughs) Also, it was Antifa, and like, come on, right? Give me a break. Call up Antifa Human Resources and ask if they had any people there that day. You know, there's, there's no Antifa there.
1: And to be fair, when I go on trips, I bring my gallows too. You know, I do, it's like a, <laughs> you put it in, it's like carry on luggage, according
2: to American Airlines. So I get, I mean, I get there
3: were, it. there were actual gallows outside of the Capitol. Crazy stuff.
2: That's a really good point, Ed. I think when we're talking about messaging, one of the really important pieces of that is like identifying who's responsible, who we should hold accountable, who's to blame. So I saw early, earlier today that Lindsey Graham tweeted about President Biden's speech this morning. And he said, what brought brazen politicization of January 6 by President Biden? And my response to that is that only one side tried to overturn the results of a Democratic election. This was a partisan event, and it was innately political. So in the way we talk about this issue, in the way we talk about the insurrection, it has to be political. We have to address which side was responsible and who the bad actors were in all of this.
3: Um, Did you see, so that was what Lindsey Graham said today, but did you see what Lindsey Graham said a year ago today? Because uh, a reporter at uh, NBC News actually tweeted out what he said uh, a year ago, which was uh, Lindsey Graham on January 6th, Trump and I have had a hell of a journey. I hate for it to end this way. Oh my God, I hate it. But from my point of view, all I can say is count me out enough is enough. Wow, what a way to rewrite history in your own Twitter thread from Senator Graham.
2: <laughs> How quickly the story changes when midterms are coming up, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's back in, he's back in it.
1: It's absurd. And and you know, so obviously there's tons of Republicans like Lindsey Graham across the nation who perpetrated this lie. But unfortunately, it seems like we have a disproportionate amount right here in our own state obviously we mentioned Ted Cruz, but you know, folks like Paxton, uh, Gomert, Gohmert, you know, it's like, it's all over the place in Texas.
3: Um, it is all over the place. And like you mentioned, it's, uh, it's Louis Go it's Ted Cruz, it's Louis Gohmert, who's now running for attorney general. It's Ken Paxton, oh, okay. who is the attorney general. It's Congressman Pete Sessions, who I don't even remember what he said, but I remember he had a role to play in this. And then you've got one of the insurrectionists who I believe was has been criminally charged. Who is now a candidate for the Texas legislature. So you're, these actors, these bad actors from the January sixth insurrection, are still here today and still participating in government, at, at, in some way, either as office holders or as elected official, as candidates.
2: That's just an example of how these efforts have continued. So while the insurrection might have been a year ago, we've seen over the past year how Republicans have continued to try to undermine our democracy and undermine the results of elections. Um, I know the last year Diana and I spent fighting bad legislation in the Texas Capitol that was targeting elections, trying to make it harder for people to vote. There were bills brought up trying to promote sham reviews. And we've had some sham reviews in the state of Texas and across the nation. All of those reviews have shown that there's no voter fraud. There's not these lies. They've reinforced that there are lies that are being spread. But the whole point of this movement and what Republicans are trying to do is they're trying to continue to undermine our elections and make it to where it doesn't seem like such a weird thing for us to do a review of an election so that in the next election, whenever results come out that they don't necessarily like, that feels like the norm. And so I think while it's important to remember January 6th, we also need to think about the present moment that we're living in and what threats there are to the democracy happening right now. I saw a release that came out today from NPR where they did an analysis of Secretary um different states where there are secretary of state elections happening and they found that at least 15 candidates for secretary of state in 2022 doubt joe biden's 2020 victory so this is an intentional um effort by republicans to elect and put into office folks who undermine democracy folks who question our elections so that when there are results that they don't like they can potentially overturn them or at the very least so even more doubt amongst their base so that potentially we, we could see another insurrection, we could see another attempt at a coup.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think one example of the insurrection sort of continuing on and spilling over into um, our elections and questioning that was that moment that we as Progress Texas caught live in the Capitol when our own um, insurrectionist idiot, Briscoe Kane illegally sort of like, or broke the rules and pushed through that voter suppression bill at the last minute. Um, which wasn't right uh, and you know and, and and we caught and he was called out the the funny thing that, though is that he wasn't good enough to really see it the whole way through so they had to replace him with someone else to push through that um, that voter suppression bill but you are completely right Wesley it still continues
3: um, so I just looked up you, you talked about sham reviews and how some of this stuff continues into today and, and let's let's debunk the big lie just a little bit more before we wrap and i think that one of the things is important here is that donald trump pushed uh governor greg abbott here in texas to do a sham review in four counties and it was uh harris travis uh, dallas and collin county which represent about a third of the vote in the state four million votes in in tarrant county they found zero discrepancy in Harris County, they found five, a five-vote discrepancy. And I think in Collin County, they found a, Collin County, which is run by Republicans, they found a 10-vote discrepancy. So what, what you're seeing here is they did this full review, and out of four million votes, they found essentially no difference. But that wasn't the point. The point is to try to undermine confidence in democracy, and we can't let that happen. And fortunately, a majority of people aren't buying it. We just gotta make sure that it st- stays that way.
0: Yeah, I think what's funny is that they wanted to, to have this review in Texas where that's where Trump won. So I was like, are you trying to like win this back for Biden or something? Cause that would be cool. Like, Okay, what? I don't understand.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we can increase the margin of victory for like what, the seventh or eighth time that Biden would have won the 2020 election. I'm okay with that. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. great. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's gonna be so much going on this year.
2: One of the questions that a lot of folks have is where we go from here. Um, and I think that you know Kamala Harris really addressed that in her speech this morning. Um, she talked about how our spirit is being tested. And I think it's easy to kind of fall into this trap of, oh, everything's bad, it's not gonna get better. But the thing is, that's what the other side wants, is for us to lose faith in elections, for us to lose faith in democracy and think that it's all going to crap and then people don't show up to vote. But at the end of the day, democracy is made up by the American people. We're the ones who control ultimately what happens with our future. And so it's the people of the United States that will save democracy, just like it was the people of the United States that instituted it, created it to begin with. Um, It's not easy. There are a lot of lies that we need to make right. There are a lot of folks who we need to hold accountable, but that work is being done. i would say one of the things that i'm hopeful for there's been movement on the voting rights legislation and we've seen um that there's potentially going to be a vote on the filibuster to hold joe manchin and Kristen cinema accountable because they haven't agreed necessarily to vote yes on this legislation and so they're going to really test um what they're willing to they want to put a vote on record to show um, what they're feeling. But the fact is, this move, this legislation is moving. And we've seen within Democrats and the Senate specifically more of a willingness to reject the filibuster or potentially end the filibuster. And so that's a good sign for where things are headed. Um, But in the meantime, you know, we can't lose faith and we have to we can't sit on the sidelines. We have to really come together to defend our democracy and also come together to encourage one another to vote in upcoming elections so that we we don't fall into this trap that Republicans want us to fall into.
3: And that last point that Wesley made is really important, voting in the upcoming elections, because democracy is like a muscle, right? You have to exercise it to keep it healthy. And what that means is participating in the legislative process. It means your activism. It means the general election campaigns and supporting candidates, but it also means getting the people you know around you to show up and vote, not just in presidential years, but in midterm years, in primaries, and maybe most importantly this year, all the way down the ballot for positions like county clerk and city council, because those are the ones that really get overlooked but make a huge impact on your life and on the outcome of these elections. Your city council approves polling place locations. Your county clerk is the one that processes the election results. And in many times, these positions, uh, particularly the council positions, are nonpartisan positions. So make sure your friends are showing up and voting in these elections that, that happen off cycle and that they're going all the way down the ballot. It can make a huge difference.
1: Wesley, Diana, Ed, thanks as always for running your insights. To everyone who's watching and listening, thanks for joining us. Head over to www.progresstexas.org to follow us on social and subscribe to our email list. If you're listening to us on a podcast, subscribe on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, y'all.
2: Bye, please. Bye. See ya.
1: The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at ProgressTexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, with music by Walker Lukens. Please subscribe and share, and thanks so much for listening. See you again next week.